Stand with me. Let's start today's sermon and prayer together. Read off the board if you would. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for empowering me to be stable in this unstable world. Today, I will open my heart and my mind to receive from the word of the Lord. God, show me your will and teach me your ways. As I put your word into action through my life, let me make a kingdom difference in the world and lives around me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for that. We're in this series, Stability in an Unstable World, and we've been talking through the book of James, and we've learned that God desires believers to be stable regardless of the situation in the world. That is, if you're a believer today, you should be able, you should be living, I should be living a stable life regardless of the situations in this world. And today is life group launch, and I encourage you, we're going to dismiss from the sermon directly into the gym, and during that time, you have an opportunity to check out what life groups are available. And I would just encourage you to think about the fact that if you are in in an unstable place, if you're just walking on a plank, or if you're standing on a boat, anything that's a shifting surface, if you link arms with just one other person, it increases your stability tenfold. It's amazing how that works. And so if you connect with a group of people in your walk with Christ, it's automatically going to increase your stability multiple, multiple times. I encourage you to check into that today. But when we talk about this next, this fourth step of what it means to be stable in an unstable world, then community is key. We've talked about being singularly focused. We've talked about choosing joy. We've talked about living out our faith, not just the concept of faith, but actually living out our faith. And so today I want to talk about intentionally mature. Intentionally mature. That means that we must mature on purpose. How many people wish that you could press the mature button on your kid right now? (laughs) Two hands up, two hands up. I'm Pentecostal, what can I say? That's how it works. So... Sometimes we just wish that we could make others mature quickly. We feel less excited about it when we're the subject of the conversation. Maturity is not easily earned, but it must be earned. It has to be. And maturity isn't all about physical growth. There are some people who will be fully grown and be this tall. And there are some people who will be fully grown and be that tall. It's not physical growth, because all of us know somebody who are adults, and they, they, are, they, they have jobs, and they have kids, and, and, and they're living life, and yet they are mentally, emotionally, and or spiritually infants. They can't hardly handle any pressure. Any kind of move or any kind of uh, tossing suddenly moves them out of any level of stability. And now their, their world is in a spiral because something has shifted, something has changed. Maturity is not the same, but maturity is complete in your creation. James says it this way in James chapter 1 verse 4, but let patience have its perfect work 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. How many would like that to be the story of your life? I lack nothing. Okay, there's a lot of lying people in this room because that is like the best option and opportunity ever given to anybody. I, I would like to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And this is telling us that patient stability made possible by the Holy Spirit while in a trial. Because recall that the entire context of this is James writing about believers being in a trial. He's saying what you can learn in this moment, the, the lesson that you will learn will bring strength to your life, a benefit to your life that will last long after the trial is over. I need that. I want that in my life. It's perfect work. It's perfecting work will make you and I perfect and complete. So what does that mean? Well, the word perfect there is the Greek word that means brought to completion or fully developed. So patience will cause you to become fully developed, brought to completion as a person. The word complete there is the Greek word meaning having all your parts or whole. Not in pieces, but as a whole. So brought to completion, fully developed, and a whole person. What he's telling us is that when a believer is fully developed, having all their parts, they are mature. Mature. And then James lays it down by saying, the tool used to develop complete maturity is patience. Isn't that beautiful news? How many of us would recognize that it is not unusual for older people to have more patience than younger people? I recognize that to be the case. It's because patience has been in action in their life longer. You have to use patience. The tool used to develop full maturity is patience. And it's hard to get. In fact, the world, culture, everything around us does all it can to reduce wait times in our lives because we lack patience. You will never see a, a restaurant advertise, this is a great meal that you will wait longer for than any other, any other restaurant in Toledo. But it will be worth it in the end. Nobody will ever say that, even if it's true. They all will tell you how short the wait time is for this meal that takes six months to make. It's amazing because we want the wait times to go down. We, want, we don't want patience, we understand, as a virtue, but it's not one that's innate within us. I recognize that it's good. Believer, it's good. Non-believer, it's good. We know patience is good. It's just not something that we just naturally have. Think about a baby. It's born. From the moment it's born, it does not say, I will wait patiently for my mother or my father to feed me. I will wait patiently for my mother or my father to change me. No. It's hungry. Ah! It's dirty. Ah! But when you're 24 years old and you're still operating in the same manner, oh, you got a problem. And it's time to mature 
into all that God has for you. Believers recognize a higher truth, however, that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a naturally occurring product from one that is filled with the Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Let's read them together. Ready? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Or there is no law against these things. I quoted it in King James versus reading it in the New, uh, New Living Translation. So all of these things... And we would all agree, yes, absolutely, love is the fruit of the Spirit. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. Peace is the fruit of the Spirit. But patience is in the same list. We don't feel quite as excited about that one as the rest of them. But patience is supposed to be something that naturally occurs in the life of the believer who is filled with the Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit lives in you, patience should come from you. My question is, how's that going for you? You feeling relaxed, mighty patient? Some of you are impatient about this sermon ending right now. <laughs> Calm down. So how do I let patience help me grow into maturity as a believer? Well, patient stability is only developed by consistently pushing limits on your patience. Aren't you glad you came to church today? The only way to grow in patience is to ha keep having to be patient. And that's not fun. It is real. It's like any other muscle. But pushing yourself in a healthy way requires a plan. And Paul gives us some instruction in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. He says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves. Now that is a key phrase here because it does not say, so thus he will clothe you. You will wake up one day and just be covered in all of this stuff. No, he said you have to make an intentional choice to be clothed, covered, to represent this in the world around you. First is tenderhearted mercy. That's a soft heart resulting in mercy being shown to other people. When you could be judgmental, you show mercy. Kindness, that's a wor the word for benevolence. So living out an intentionally benevolent life. How about humility versus operating in pride? Gentleness, not harshness. When you could be harsh, you, a, a gentle answer turns away wrath. A soft answer, not harsh. But at the end of this list right here is this word, and patience. And I thought that was interesting to me. This is not like some great revelation. It's just interested me because at the end of this list of all this stuff, this, this tenderhearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness, patience is required for all that to last. You'll only be merciful for a little while unless you've got patience. You just got on my last nerve. Oh, I'm out of patience. So now mercy is out the window. Kindness is gone. 
Humility? Let me tell you what I really think. Ever notice that people turn into bobbleheads sometime when they get really excited about Okay. Gentleness. You have to have patience. Because verse 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults. How, how do you get all this done? You make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves, again, intentional choice, with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. So I have three things here that will help us build patience in our life. Ready? Thing number one, live with spiritual, mental, and emotional margin. Patience is greater if your fuse isn't too short. You write that down, you could leave right now and your life would be better for it. If you put that into action. Margin means you can take some fire before you explode. It means you can take some pressure before you lose your mind. It can, you can handle some stuff, some weight of some things before your testimony of Jesus Christ is not quite testifying of him. Living on the edge. It, it keeps you from having any room for allowance. There have been days, in fact, in that elder meeting that I spoke about earlier, I, I, I told them that I was preaching on patience this week. And I said, this week, every day, my, my patience has been tested and I am sick of it. <laughs> every day. This has been a unique week. And every day it's just been like, no, you got to be kidding me. Not, not with anybody here. I mean, this is a perfect church with all perfect people. But I'm just saying stuff happens. Sometimes we leave it all on the court or we leave it all on the field or we leave it all on the ice or we leave it all at work or we leave it all out there and we have no margin when we come home for our family. We have no margin for our faith family. We have no, no margin for our community. So we couldn't say what we really wanted to say at work when that guy did that thing. But when that lady did that thing in the parking lot, we told her exactly what we thought. No margin. So sometimes it means creating distance between the taxing events of life, the taxing meetings of life, and sometimes even the taxing people of life. Sometimes I look at my phone and, and, and I see a, a name up there and and I think if I talk to this person who I care for, it's not going to be good for them and it's not going to be good for me. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call them back when I'm in a better frame of mind. In fact, uh, yesterday I, I broke my liquid only fast and began eating with the Daniel fast with everybody. And, um, and, and I decided uh, in conversation with Christy that next year I'm going to actually change my schedule for the week that I do that. I've done it before, but I haven't done it in years, where I'm going to pull away and I'm going to spend, I'm, I'm not going to schedule a bunch of meetings. I'm not going to have a bunch of stuff uh, on my calendar. Instead, I'm going to uh, take time off uh, from in that season and I'm going to spend time in focused prayer and so on so that I can bring my best and that I will not be bringing my worst. 
Sometimes getting patient means removing stuff from the calendar. Reduce your calendar. You can create margin by either decreasing the load or increasing your supply. So if you can't decrease the load in your life, increase the supply. If you can't increase the supply, then you must decrease the load. There is no other way around that. It's so simple and yet isn't it so difficult at times? To say, no, I'm just not going to do that. Now, close connection with the Holy Spirit will increase your supply. So that is our single way of keeping the fruit of the Spirit called patience to be flourishing in our life. So choose to increase your margin today. Secondly, be quick to forgive offenses. Offenses will come. You can't get away from it. You will be offended at some point. And you will offend others at some point. But you cannot hold everything. If you do, it will crush you under its weight. Now sometimes people think, well, I forgive them, so does that mean I need to ignore what's happened? No. Forgiveness does not equal ignoring something. It simply means that forgiveness is not allowing future interactions to be corrupted by what happened in the past. So when you walk into Kroger and you see them, you don't immediately become angry. So if you have, if you have uh, been offended by someone, the right thing to do is to go directly to that person. And I love seeing it. We see it on our staff. We see it here in our church. We see people going to others and saying, I have been offended by you. And sometimes the offense was for something that everybody knew happened, and sometimes the offense was over something that no one knew happened except the one offended. And so go directly to the person and say, I've been offended, and, and here's what has happened. And the right response, if somebody comes to you with that kind of a request, say, I apologize to you for offending you. If I knew that I did it, here's what happened, and, and I'm not justifying it, and I just ask your forgiveness. And if I didn't know what happened, I ask your forgiveness anyway. I did not, I am sorry that I offended you. And then the right thing to do by, if you have been offended is say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Seeking forgiveness and then offering to forgive the offense. In fact, I would encourage us to err on the side of forgiveness. It's better to forgive what maybe should not have been forgiven than to hold on to what should have been forgiven. So maybe there's something in your life that said, no, it's right that I don't. Now, Jesus would not agree with you, but maybe you agree with you. And so you might say, well, no, that's, that's worth holding on to. I would rather let that go than hold on to stuff that is ultimately going to pile up and crush me. So be quick to forgive offenses. I have never sat with anyone at their deathbed who looked at me and said, Micah, I just wish I had never forgiven them for what they did. I wish I'd have just held on to that grudge forever. No one. But I've had many people on their deathbed weep saying, I wish I had been able to get that relationship right. Be quick to forgive offenses. And third, love intentionally. Love intentionally. 
Clothe yourselves with love. Love is not based on worthiness. God loved you and me when we were unworthy of his love. Love is a decision to act in another's best interest. So it's not just an emotion. It's choosing to act in somebody else's best interest. And we are a multicultural, multi-generational church where new believers are born, all believers mature. And as such, there's all different, there's people coming from all kinds of different places and, and different spiritual places and understandings. And, and there's always an opportunity for us to, to rub each other differently and wrong and to always, to, to have conflict and all of the, and Jesus calls us to love. And one of the things that attracted Christy and I years ago to becoming part of this church not just leading this church, but becoming part of this church, was the fact that we had people, mature believers, who could look at one another and disagree on points of life or points of politics or points of even scriptural interpretation and yet say, I choose to love you. We love God, we lo love each other, and, and the outcome of that love is we get the message of Jesus Christ out into the world. Intentionally love. And everyone acting on another's best interest automatically equals patience because at the end of the day, we end up recognizing it's not all about us. And so today, we recognize with our life groups that everyone matures within community. Show me an immature person and I will show you someone who is not truly engaged in community. They will be immature in either communication or interaction. Sometimes they'll be immature in their basic grasp of, of social norms because they just haven't been around people. They haven't been around people to exchange ideas and, and to be challenged in their ideas and, and concepts of things. And many of the things about living strong in Christ are best learned in community where you're communicating with one another, asking questions, in Bible studies, walking down a trail, playing pickleball. There's a lot of patience involved in that. There's a lot of challenge involved in that. You say, well, it's just pickleball. Yes, but it's the conversations that are happening throughout. It's the building of relationships throughout. One of the ones that I, life groups that I really encourage you to check out is the uh, Financial Peace University life group. That life group will change your financial future. The younger you are, the faster you should sign up to be a part of that group. In fact, it's one of the few groups that we hold on site on a Sunday so that childcare is available for you through kids ministry. Because we, we really believe that this is uh, needed for most people. If you have money, if you ever hope to have money, if you had money at one time but then lost it, or at some point hope to ever gain it, then my encouragement is go find out how to use it and manage it. But you do it in community. Where you learn together and grow together and develop together in the knowledge of God and the knowledge of finances. All the life groups will help you grow in the knowledge of God. Like the story that Pastor Benton shared in the mid-service video, every church is too big 
unless you're engaged in community. The difference between a church where you know nobody and the church that becomes family is whether you're connected. So intentionally connect. I'm going to pray for us right now and then I'm going to dismiss us directly to the gym. And when we go directly to the gym, I'm going to ask you not to go get your kids because their programming is still going on. Don't get your students. Their programming is still going on. But we are going to intentionally engage in community. You say, well, if I walk around that gym, do I have to sign up for anything? You are a full-grown person. Make up your own mind. But intentionally look at it and say, is this good for me, for my life, and for the stage of life I'm in? There's going to be people there that will answer questions for you. Community makes a difference. And I guarantee you, community will grow your patience to where you become the fully mature believer in Christ Jesus that God has intended you to be. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your presence in this room. And I thank you for your word that's forever settled in heaven. I pray that the word that has been given to us today would penetrate the shell of our lives and and bury deep into the softness of our heart and, and, and produce the fruit that it was intended to produce. Thank you, Lord, for your community, for the church that we have the privilege of growing with today. I give you thanks and praise for that in the awesome name of Jesus. And let everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. Stand to your feet and let's make our way into the gym together in Jesus' name.